This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 778, A Conversation with Al Ewing. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 778. It's once again another conversation with Al Ewing, the acclaimed writer of different comic books. And today we, we go really deep into Immortal Hulk. We talk about some other things as well. I'm going to do a bit of a catch-up because the, the last time I was able to have him on the show was back in episode 518. That was back in October 2017, which sounds even farther away than usual. It's two and a half years ago, but God, it sounds like forever ago. It's interesting uh, because the, when we last spoke to him, it was right when we were getting the announcement on the Avengers book. It had recently been announced at that point that he was working on a weekly Avengers book with um, Jim Zub and Mark Wade, and it was from that that book that we get kind of the um, uh, kind of like a backdoor pilot to what would become the Immortal Hulk or what was the Immortal Hulk, um, which now has been going on for you know what thirty four issues I think now. Um, phenomenal book. Just is it's, it's so fascinating to see a Hulk book just explode and really get hotter and. Uh, its sales get better and, you know, hang with the big boys. We don't always think of Hulk as a character that routinely hangs with kind of the big boys like Spider-Man or the Avengers books or X-Books or Batman, you know what I mean? But uh, suddenly Immortal Hulk is really, you know, getting a lot of people excited. And so I got to chat with Al about working on Immortal Hulk um, and a few other, and uh, we talk about his other projects as well. We talk at the very end about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy as well that he's recently relaunched, which I'm just in love with. Uh, I think there's been three issues so far and uh, it really channels the what I call the, the you know kind of the DNA vibe of uh, the Guardians, which not to say anything against the people who've you know been working on the Guardians before this, and we've had some good, really good runs, um, but it, it's been totally a little bit different. And uh, Peter's felt Peter Quill's will felt a little bit different, but uh, Al's version of that feels like a huge closer to what made me first love the character back during the DNA and the Giffen era of um, you know the Annihilation, Annihilation, Conquest era of uh, of the D of sorry the DC the Marvel Universe. Uh, cosmic anyways this is a really fun episode it was great to talk with al uh you can always email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com rate and view the show on itunes subscribe to us on itunes and also listen to us on stitcher uh in the upcoming months uh or weeks i hope i'm hoping to have barry kitson and uh, dave lanfear on the show um and uh we're gonna at one point uh we're gonna do another uh uh, kind of a comic talk spotlight looking at uh, the Thor Heroes Return Omnibus Volume 2. We've talked about the Volume 1, so uh, we're going to have Tim Riley back on the show to talk about um, the uh, the second Omnibus. There's a bunch of stuff I've been meaning to do and I just haven't been doing. It's interesting. Um, the pandemic happens, and I'm, as I mentioned very early on in this episode, I'm incredibly blessed, and I know that, um, that both my wife and I are able to work from home um, without any real disruptions. Um, but as a result, I feel like I don't have any extra free time. I'm just as busy as ever um so i i see some people saying oh i've got all this time to consume all this content i'm like well that sounds nice <laughs> i just don't feel like i have that uh, that luxury and um you know and I, I had to i had a point there and i already forgot what it was anyways let's get right into the conversation with al it was really great to chat with him again and um yeah and oh now i remember i in terms of being able to create content i just don't have as much time as i would like and so that means uh projects and things i've wanted to do have just been kind of put on the wayside or at least i've been uh, putting them off for a little while and at some point would like to get back to Anyways, that's enough prattling from me. You came here for Al Ewing, and you're going to get him right after this. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode, and let's get right into the conversation with Al Ewing. And again, if you want to check out his first appearance on the show, episode 518 from October 23rd, 2017. Enjoy. So, Al, welcome back to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. Who are you today? Hello. Uh, I'm, I'm as well as can be expected. Uh, how, how are things on your end? Are you... Good. Um, yeah, so I'm in Canada, so we're still, you know, self-isolating and everything. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I count myself a, a, lucky, a lucky and fortunate person. My wife and I are both able to work full-time from home right now. Um, it's an adjustment, as can be expected, but uh, at least we're able to work and we haven't had any disruptions. So I count myself very lucky on that end. I mean, we're, we're pretty lucky here in that, um, you know, I still, I still have some work. Um, I'm, we're kind of, 
in a region of the country where it's not as bad as in other places mm-hmm. um it's still not great we're kind of i mean britain as a whole is not great um i don't think it's um too political of me to say that we could have handled this slightly better hmm. in comparison to some other countries um but you know we're we've been relatively okay and you know i do i do know people who've had it and people who've um but you know so far touch wood wow. uh, things are okay yeah so it's interesting. I was looking at when we last connected. It was about two and a half years ago, and it was it was interesting yep. because it was basically I think like the week or two after um, the Avengers Weekly series had been kind of announced. Um, and it's oh, interesting yeah. to kind of go back and see like because I was thinking like okay, well when did we chat? And it's interesting that like everything that is Immortal Hulk really comes out of that Avengers run, and that had, hadn't even happened when we last spoke. Yeah, that was still. I mean, that would have been announced. If it had been in that, I'm trying to remember the exact timeline of it, but we, we started working on that weekly very early. We, we gave ourselves like a lot of lead time. Mm-hmm. So it's totally possible that when we talked, a lot of that had, had gone had gone on paper already. A lot of the script had been written. Um, I, know, I know we definitely had some scripts in before we announced it even. Um, probably quite a lot of scripts. And, you know, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes you announce things and, you know, you announce them very early and you, and then you start working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that, we were, we were very ahead of the timeline because, you know, obviously it was weekly. Um, it was 16 weeks. That's a big chunk. We need to have, we need to have a lot of that done. Um, and obviously working together at the time we didn't know how well we were going to work together and so you know we gave ourselves extra lead time in case there was um, friction which you know there wasn't mm-hmm. um, so we we were very far ahead of the game from, from day one on that so it's entirely possible that a lot of the Hulk stuff I don't think I would have known then I certainly wouldn't have known that I was going to go on to do the Hulk book um, but it was, I think, uh, or maybe I'm pretty sure we were, we were well into, cause that prologue we did, uh, that prologue I did with Joe, that would have been quite, I think that was quite far after the rest of 10 was written. Okay. Episode 10, I mean, it was, you know, I forget the I forget the legacy number. It was six hundred. I think it's six hundred eighty four or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, basically, yeah. I, I guess around then we would have known that we were pushing the Hulk into a scary place, and I guess I wouldn't have been able to. I wouldn't even have been able to say we we're bringing back the Hulk. Maybe not then. No, it was so early, I right? Whether, I don't know whether that had hit news yet. It's interesting. It was one of those things. Yeah. It was one of those things where I think we did announce it ahead of time to kind of, you know, build build anticipation. But I can't remember how far ahead of time. It's interesting looking back because I mean that that Avengers, you know, that sixteen week issues um, really kind of ended a whole kind of era of Avengers where you had all those different teams like U.S. Avengers, etc. And then going from that, you had a consolidated kind of Jason Aaron run Avengers team. Yeah. So it's this end of this era, but also this kind of backdoor pilot to what becomes your Immortal Hulk run. And reading it now, it's fascinating how much you seeded that early. And so I, again, the question becomes like, how much did you know about like the green door and that you were going to, you know, push him even further into this, as you say, scary place. I mean, the green, the green door was, um, I think in the early pitch. So that would have been, that would have been something I seeded more in. Cause if you go back, if you go back and look at, cause we did about four weeks on the trot. Um, and you know some some readers like this some readers didn't we basically ended we had a kind of the cliffhanger and then a little extra cliffhanger for like four weeks of the Hulk slowly waking up mm-hmm. but we didn't we didn't bring in the green door then so I wouldn't have known about it um I but I would have worked it out by the time I did the prologue because it's all over that it's all over that template prologue so I would have so I'd have worked it out while I was doing the pitch um 
me the job. And yeah, basically, I think stuff like um, yeah, there was there was definitely the hug you see in Avengers: No Surrender is definitely a kind of early version of the final. Mm-hmm. The final thing, I think, as as late as issue two. There are a couple of personality things that don't, you know, if you look at them in, you can sort of, you can sort of force them to make sense in terms of, um, you know, how the character ends up. But uh, I think, I think two is issue two of Immortal Hulk is the last time we have anything that could be read as that Hulk not liking Bruce Hmm. Um, and I think by the time we get to issue 5 it's very it's very clear that the relationship between them is different Um, so that would have been something that that I kind of had the idea for after issue 1 even though they were definitely working together in issue 1 and issue 2 I hadn't like I hadn't fully worked out how how deep that emotional bond between them was um, and that obviously becomes very important as we go when you pitched Immortal Hulk like how does I'm, I'm just curious how that pitch even went because obviously as you said like you, you're bringing Hulk to a very different place I, mean, I do I do have plans to um, I suspect in one of these uh, there'll be I suspect it'll make for back matter in one of these collections I don't you know I don't know that for a fact but it's it's the kind of thing that you get as back matter in like a big omnibus edition or something but I'd rather not release it I'm not going to like if it doesn't become back matter then I'm not going to like auction it or anything you know because I really liked how that auction went for BICS and I'm thinking like you know when I have a minute I should do another one of those just for like the NHS or somebody Mm -hmm. um but like or for another good cause or like even once all this is over you know assuming we do get some return to relative normalcy then you know there are many many good causes yeah and that that way of auctioning stuff that doesn't have to be physical that can just be a digital file um yeah that's a really good uh that feels like so I'll probably do that again (laughs) but um short of that I don't I don't think we're ever going to see that pitch until the whole thing is done. Yeah. And the reason for that is that I had a look at that pitch recently and I've contradicted pretty much everything I said in it. <laughs> um, and if you, so I really want to kind of put the pitch out. I'd love to put the pitch out as like back matter for like an omnibus or like the last trade or like an omnibus collecting the whole thing. Or like at some point after we're done with the run. Um, because the run does have an end we have planned for an ending um, I nearly came out and said which issue that's going to be which I, I kind of refuse to do <laughs> More, not so much because it's going to be like um, not so much because you know it'll it'll start any I mean it's probably the wrong time to start any you know big news articles about the Hulk anyway but um, <laughs> also because I don't want to jinx it Hmm. I feel like as soon as I say, oh, it's going to end at issue such and such, the universe will conspire to, like, chop the last five issues off. <laughs> um, uh, just, you know, but, like, uh, yeah, basically, there is going to be an ending, and I think after that ending, it'll be a good time to kind of release the pitch so people can look at it and go, like, oh, well, we stuck to none of that. <laughs> um, I mean, the general tone of it, the, the tone in terms of like I think tonally we've we've kind of kept it up but even, even then we've sort of it's been a very changeable book and that was by design um, that was something I took from kind of those first six issues of Hulk hmm. in that it's not just the horror tone it's just that those first six issues they just ping, ping pong back and forth they'd like they're desperately trying to like it's the one character Lee and Kirby create that they they fail to control 
they don't they don't manage to um, shape it into something that will be the final shape for the next like um, 60 years or whatever whereas with the FF you know very quickly the thing especially very quickly he's in his final form Hmm. like within a year Spider-Man you know you have that tribute to teenagers issue where he loses the glasses and he becomes a lot a lot more handsome and a lot more and suddenly the soap opera gets a lot more romantic and it's like even with Dick around and it's like again very quickly it's in you know between Lee and Dicko very quickly they have they have it in place Thor the Asgardian stuff comes in very quickly Hulk um he gets cancelled after six issues nobody knows what he's, he's fighting the Avengers his name's Bob for a while <laughs> he's like I think it takes like um the second wave of riders to like nail him down into something and maybe maybe not even that maybe like the second wave and the TV series if you read all those early Hulk issues he's constantly getting and losing Bruce Banner's intelligence he's you know he's constantly going on the run and then coming back home he's like he's going to space he's like getting stuck as the Hulk by about yeah, even even into like issue hundred, you'll have you'll have runs where he's just like suddenly he's trapped on a cloud city for no reason, <laughs> and it's like and the boy beast is there, and Betty is a flying creature, and it's like yeah, next issue something else. The Hulk is this very kind of chaotic, and I think it's only it's really when I think. Um, There are attempts. There's a, there are attempts to kind of slow this and sort of nail nail him down into one thing, but they don't they don't stick. Um, I I think you'd be if you were to kind of find how long the kind of classic Hulk smash, Savage Hulk Bruce Banner, only two of them. It's like a dichotomy. Um, if you were to find the run of where that started and where that ended. I doubt you'd reach double figures in years. <laughs> um, I think it's a much shorter time. People people remember that as the classic version, but it's it's a much shorter time, and it's like I'd say the I guess what we'd call the Green Skull Hulk, the kind of Planet Hulk Hulk, mm-hmm. where you know he's sort of this green green version of Joe Fixit, this kind of more erudite um, I almost feel like that lasts longer uh, without a change the, that, that would pretty be like the kind of the, the back end of the Jenkin like the oh even then no no I don't know I don't <laughs> but the point is the point is Hulk is a very changeable character so we didn't feel like if I was writing Spider-Man or Thor I'd feel like um Spider-Man has to be this, you know, Thor has to be this. There is a certain thing that these characters are. With Hulk, I feel like we were much freer to just find our version and not not stick with it. We could do things like, over time, we brought in more of Bruce Banner's alters. Hmm. We got very heavily into him being a uh, someone with dissociative identity disorder, um, trying to do that in a more... I guess a more... I mean, realistic is a hard word when you're talking about gamma monsters, but, you know, a more sympathetic way, a more kind of true to the experience, relatively, um, and trying to trying to be more true to the experience relative to most pop culture depictions of it as well. Hmm. And obviously, it's the Hulk. It's, you know, he's a gamma-powered rage monster, crazy shit happens to him it's not going to be 100% but we do try to do the research and like hang a lampshade when it starts to get out of the territory that um like you know at least some people with dissociative identity sort of will recognize it's like as soon as we start getting out of that territory getting into like the weird zones 
you know, we kind of say, yeah, this is this is Hulk stuff now. This is kind of this is because Bruce Banner got hit by that bomb, and he's like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, stop, we're not doing the thing where it's like, oh yeah, people with the idea they're very, they're, you know, oh they're very scary. They're like Jude Law <laughs> in that film, and you know, ooh. Um, we try not to do that. We're much more like, oh yeah, the Hulk, you know. He's, he got hit by those gamma rays and he's not like any other human on the planet. But, you know, people can see themselves in him, but, you know, we kind of... We don't do the thing where it's like... You know... People with... People with... Um, a mental condition... Uh, are like, you know... Scary or superhuman or like... You know, we try and avoid that. Mm-hmm. It's and then sometimes that kind of sometimes that's a tightrope. Sometimes that takes a bit of like effort and thought behind the scenes, but that's that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't mind that. With I just a, hope I get it right. With writing the Hulk, like I mean, you've gone so deep into kind of the the deep bench of characters and permutations that have existed over the years. Like, how did you kind of decide like you're going to use the harpy again, and you're going to, you know, again. You're digging deep into the well and using a lot of characters. We knew we were going to bring Betty back. Um, We didn't want to bring any of the supporting cast back immediately for two reasons. One, we wanted to sort of establish Bruce and the Hulk before establishing anyone else. Aside from the new cast, uh, like Jackie. Mm -hmm. Um, But like the the old cast, we didn't want to bring back until we were ready to until we had a solid idea of who they were um so when we see when I think Betty is first then when we see her it's almost like a kind of a teaser for like a future thing but between basically between deciding to sort of bring Betty back and working out how we're gonna do it I did a big Hulk reread like a read through of kind of a bunch of old Hulk issues uh, including the first appearance of the harpy, and that is bananas. It's like um, it's it's just primal. It's like that harpy design. You know, she's she's barely got arms. She's got these gigantic feet. And I was like, I was because I was looking at like Betty's Hulk form and sort of a lot of my research up until that point had been like looking at Red She Hulk and going like, okay, so this is. And Red, Red She-Hulk is, you know, a very Hollywood idea, I think. It was, at the time, the Hulk was in a very kind of widescreen, movie-ready place. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't mean that as like a diss or anything. It's just, uh, at the, you know, there was, it, Hulk was a big seller. Everybody was very interested in him at the time. You know, people were like very gripped by the story that was being told. Um, but it was a very kind of like... Um, it had that gorgeous Ed McGuinness art. It had these big set pieces. It was it was movie ready. It was kind of you know this big epic thing. Um, and we kind of wanted to. Obviously, we we were playing with a very different tone, and we were much more sort of um, horror influence. So looking back and seeing that kind of, that harpy, that sort of primal, and I mean, the feet were just, those bird feet were just so huge that they just (laughs) looked, it was just insane. And something about that, just like the, because if it had just been like Betty turns into a bird with fangs and like, you know, fights Hulk on a cloud city, um, it would have been weird enough. But it just there's something about something about that last page of her kind of pinning the Hulk under one of these gigantic feet, with like staring out at the reader with this weird bird body, and it's like she's covered in feathers, but like naked. She just looks like something off a tarot card. She looks like this this primal figure. And I mean, basically, I said to Joe, "Okay, I'd like to bring the harpy back. Can we have a sort of mix of like harpy and red she Hulk?" So it's 
it's like red bird, you know, red yellow with claws and fangs and like big bird feet and wings. And and Joe came back with something wonderful, which was just like this almost Jinji Ito influenced um, face and this kind of like you know very terrifying looking creature. Um, I did tell him to make the feet bigger. <laughs> this is one of the things I don't even know why it was but it's like when something I don't know what it was about the feet that just struck me but they kind of tipped that out they tipped the whole thing over the edge into they made it seem like mythical like the rock or whatever and I just thought yeah no we need to um, so I, I got him to make the feet bigger but the rest of it was just exactly as as originally done um and it's just basically like uh, that was where the harpy that was where harpy came from and then you know we kind of slow slow built her again while I sort of felt out how to write her what the you know obviously you get a design like that you think what is the voice um, and I think the thing we did the thing the thing I decided to do was I think put a limit of like no sentence longer than six words hmm. and that's like so it's not hog speak it's not um, it's not it can be erudite but it has to be taciturn it has to be like terse no word wasted nothing you know once when you put that limit on yourself it's like having everything becomes short and sharp. There isn't a word wasted in anything she says. And that suggests a character. That suggests a thing to do. So, you know, issue 19 comes along and... Or was it 18? It was well, the one that ends with um, Harpy eating Hulk's heart. And again, that was that was going for that like... I basically started with the end of that. Um, I, wrote, I wrote like... I wrote like half it to get into the situation and then I kind of went to the end and I was like right this is the end image and again it's like you want the tarot card you want it to look like a primal scene something from a dream or a myth um, and you know and Joe obviously knocks that right out of the park you know um, but yeah that was and I think I think Harpy is probably out of all the characters we've kind of I mean, introduced, you know, Betty obviously was introduced in, like, the very first issue of Hulk, but, like, the, 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 the versions that we've introduced, mm -hmm. I feel like Harpy is the one with the most potential to sort of go elsewhere mm. and be in another setting. So I'm sort of, I am thinking in terms of that as well. Uh, you bring up such a fantastic moment with Harpy eating the Hulk's heart. I mean, this is a series that has not shied away from... You know, a lot of gruesome scenes, uh, which are very different than yeah. what we, you would normally expect from a Marvel comic. Has there ever been yeah. any pushback about just how gruesome you guys have been, or how has yes. that been received? I mean, push, pushback is the wrong word. I've never been told, you can't do this. Um, we have occasionally had things where it's like, okay, you know, let's color this you know that's just really like Hulk's early on we had a discussion about what colour Hulk's insides were <laughs> um, so that you know we've had that discussion we've had the discussion of like you know at the pencil stage basically going like can we go over these you know these entrails and maybe but it's it's always in like a kind of okay you know we want to do this uh, we want the moment we want the impact we want the we want the image we want the idea how do we sort of get all of that without you know getting in trouble basically <laughs> <laughs> but like um, it's it's that thing of like uh it's not quite like this because we do show stuff, but it's like, uh, 
the Reservoir Dogs thing where the ear gets cut off. Hmm. And it's worse because the camera pans away. And it's like sometimes we kind of have things a little off screen. Sometimes, you know, we we use color a little differently. So it's not just like drive-in, a drive-in schlock thing. Um, and I think sometimes that helps it. But also it keeps us out of trouble. Hmm. So, you know, so I think pushback is the wrong word. I think we're all on the same page in terms of like... We want to go to these places, but we don't want to burn too much of our bridges to sort of get there kind of thing. That's, you know, um, we want to have a cake and eat it. <laughs> I guess would be, yeah, that's probably the best way of saying it. But it's like, but yeah, no, no, no pushback. Um, there's certain things like, um, You kind of colour within the lines to an extent, mm-hmm. but as well as that, you're always finding new ways you can do things. What I find so fascinating about, especially like you're writing on Immortal Hulk, but just in general and what you've done on kind of um, American comics is your ability to sift through and use prior continuity, but do it so well and so gracefully that, I mean, if you didn't know it, it doesn't doesn't detract from anything. But if you do know it, it adds so much more depth to the, you know, to what you're actually reading. Like, I didn't even know about 14 as a character, but... You know, you do so much good with him, and then I realize that there's this whole other, you know, thing that this character's been around for a while. But you do so much good with him, and you make it so organic that I almost believed it was a new character. I mean, thank you. Uh, that's that's a that's a huge compliment. That's kind of um, that's that's basically you saying that what I am trying to do is working. So that's that's a really great thing to hear. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I guess I guess I do try to again have my cake and eat it to kind of I'm very um, I think the fact that Marvel Marvel traditionally um, does not reboot Uh, DC I think you know I hope my I hope my friends at DC will forgive me for saying this I I find their their use of the reboot as a tool I would like them to use it more sparingly but I understand that once that tool is in your toolbox it's a really useful tool so I certainly don't begrudge the the reboots but there have been times with DC where I've sort of felt like I don't know what's going on anymore Hmm. um and I think that's different from sort of picking up a comic and not knowing what has gone before and having to pick it up through context clues. Uh, because I do get, I do get occasionally, and I'm trying to because I think I think with Hulk I got a little spoiled because with Hulk um, I went very deep into continuity. It was, um, I mean, I just. I just said all that bad stuff about DC, which, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry. But, like, um, their version of Batman, the Grant Morrison Batman, was a huge influence in terms of taking everything and using it. Mm. Um, and, like, so... And I guess, you know, that's another thing where a reboot has has ruined my enjoyment because, um, you know, a reboot happened in the middle of that. And I had this thing where I was buying these DC comics and going like, how much of what I remember is true? Which is different from like picking up a comic and going, okay, who are these people? Are there enough context clues? Is there enough in the exposition to tell me? Um, And I think we've been very lucky in Hulk because we've been able to kind of bring back these characters from ages ago, but people have been reading the context clues, people have been following the exposition. People have felt like okay, um, I have to deep-read this or I'm not going to get as much out of this and they've come along for the ride. I think I've done other comics where people have been like, oh, I wanted to skim through this and I did and now I'm confused. <laughs> and it's like, no, you've got you've to deep-read, you've got to pick up the context. You've got to, when people say, 
you know, I'm from another dimension. You've got to kind of take them at their word on that and not be like, I don't understand, you know. Um, but the thing is, I feel like that's a thing you can tinker with. You can you can make the exposition even clearer. You can sort of, there are ways you can help that reader. What I wouldn't be able to help is if a reader who picked it up and goes, so did I read something two years ago, did it still happen? Hmm. You know, I read something 10 years ago, did that still happen? And I think one of the advantages of the Hulk having such a a wild history is that you can go back to that history and find ways to make it serve you. Like, um, here's... uh, I've got to be a little careful because this is starting to verge in spoiler territory. Okay. Um, But I, I read an old issue of a... a Hulk or Hulk adjacent comic that featured Bruce Banner and it featured him acting on first read and this is in like the 70s but on first read it featured him acting like quite well the other character like you know he's sort of a man of action he's kind of using almost palooka slang and I'm sort of looking at this and it's like I'm fascinated by it and I'm you know I want to make use of it but it's like and it occurs to me it's like is this Bruce or is this Joe? And and I don't know. And it's like, what's the earliest we've seen Joe? Because, you know, we've kind of, I've sort of, I've sort of posited that he didn't turn up in the nutrient bath, that he was kind of around early on. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was like, you know, that he is, he's an, he's an alter, he's, uh, he's part of Bruce's system, so he would have, he would have come into being at around the time Bruce Banner's uh, dissociative identity disorder was first manifesting, or like you know, he would he'd been one of the the early alters to kind of make an appearance. Um, and it's like, yeah. So now I'm looking at these old comics from the seventies and going like, oh, okay, yeah. Joe Joe is fronting in this sequence. Joe is kind of Joe is out front, and then yeah, because. You know, Banner's, Banner's not acting like a scientist. He's acting like a, a heavy. Um, he's like dodging bullets and stuff, and it's like, okay, <laughs> well, this is Joe. And it's like, and, it, and stuff like that, like, becomes real, it feels really obvious as a reader. And, you know, if I get the chance to, to sort of bring this up, and I might, I might not, but, you know, if I do, it'll be, I was going to say, it'll be all in the best possible taste. It'll be like, um, if I do, it'll be you know organic in terms of the story. I won't just I won't just do it to have fun with continuity. But like um, yeah, if I bring this up, you know, people I'm, I'm sure there'll be people who give me credit for it. But it was all there, waiting to be picked up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff is it's just it's just all there. All these jigsaw pieces are just scattered around. You know, people talk about putting the toys back in the toy box. Um, I'm happy when the toys are just scattered around the room because, you know, I can... That's when you start putting them together. That's when you start doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I hate that metaphor anyway, but, you know. <laughs> That's okay. We don't, we, don't, we don't play with toys. We're, we're, not, we're not children. We're capettos. We make the toys. Mm. That's much you better. Know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, a bad, it's a bad analogy. It's a bad metaphor. I've always hated it. Um... <laughs> But then I've always been bad at putting my toys back in the toy box. So. <laughs> one uh, one thing you did, I can't remember what issue it was now, but um, I think it was, uh, I'm going to forget, but I, th- I think it was relatively recently or maybe issue 26 or so. Um, it was just a small thing, but something I love so much was when you had uh, Namor show up um, at the diner when uh, oh, yeah. when Braun and Bruce are sitting. First of all, it's such a great reveal, and it makes sense when you reread it, especially because they're at Everett's. Um, which is such yeah. a great visual cue that if that's that's uh, that's that's a joke. But basically, anytime anytime you see um, a visual, uh, a little visual Easter egg, whether it's a shout out to a a Hulk um, uh, a Hulk artist or writer of old, or a shout out to one of the great horror. Um, 
know, special effects people or directors or writers. Um, that's generally that's that'll be Joe. That'll mm. be Joe slipping that in there. And to the extent that he named the giant monsters. Oh yeah. And it was like it was like doing a crossword. I had to kind of. I had to hunt out because I knew who like most of my but I didn't know who O'Brien was and I was just hunting that down we had readers writing in and I was like and it it took me a while to get it but Willis O'Brien was the guy who animated King Kong oh and that's such a deep cut but it's like Joe has like an encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff and you know, and he slips it into the background, and it's great because you know I, I do love those Easter eggs, and I'm sort of putting in these like continuity Easter eggs myself in terms of more kind of upfront in terms of you know having these scenes that are like taken direct from some comic from the 70s that you can pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if it all if it all works out, but then the name of thing. When I was planning that issue, and that was when I kind of. That was when I, I wrote in a bit of a, a hurry and I hadn't fully um, I knew I needed Bruce to sort of consult people and in the end um, the the Amadeus Cho uh, Bruce Banner conversation just had the whole like thing in it I wanted that to be kind of um, every so often we put these conversations in there but but that became the conversation for this year but I also knew I really I needed to have somebody in there who was like fully in fully in on Bruce's side Mm. um and that someone was Namor because Namor at the time was at war with Roxon. Um, and probably still is. Uh, <laughs> and we just had, I just had this thing where it just became this reveal and this callback and this thing. And it was sort of like a sign that like, you know, it's on, it's on now, but also a sign that like, yeah, you know, Bruce is kind of, maybe getting into you know a more sort of bad boy angle to, to kind of put it <laughs> you know he's hanging out with the bad boys you know not not the full on bad guys but the bad boys you know it's <laughs> like so Namor was kind of the perfect person for that I was thinking at some point of having a kind of back and forth between Bruce Banner and, and Charles Xavier but I think the way House of X and Powers of X ended up hitting the stands and the timing of it, we might end up we might end up having I don't know. There's there's a thing I promised some. Um, I've been saying a lot of stuff recently in terms of guest stars where like there's going to be a portion of the book where I want to bring some guest stars in and I'm just sort of finalising who those guest stars are Hmm. and Wolverine might be one of them I feel like Wolverine a whole Wolverine like chat would be a good thing to have and by chat you know there'd be some violence involved (laughs) because it's like I do like I do like my conversation issues um I know what people buy the Hulk for. It's like... <laughs> so I have my conversation issues, but I have to balance those with some all-out smashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, Joe, Joe enjoys drawing both, so that's good. For sure. It's interesting. Uh, you, uh, you, you've been using, as you mentioned, Roxxon, uh, and specifically been using Dario Agar. Um, did you talk with, uh, with Jason Aaron about... I mean, obviously, yes, he's the character I most to, connected with him. I had to promise him one thing. And that was that I wouldn't kill it. <laughs> and I didn't. I, I kept my word. <laughs> so I have to ask about that. I mean, obviously, that's a spoiler. I won't say anything about it. But, like, yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, "Did he, like, what is Jason Aaron going to think about this? I mean, I feel like it's the kind. 
kind of thing that can be undone. Hmm. What I, what I, um, and this is this is something. This is an issue that probably would have hit the stands by now, maybe if not for events. Uh, but we kind of see what happens to rocks on the corporation, and I wanted there to be serious consequences. But again, that's something that could be undone. It's not like the way I see these are like. Um, Like I say, I leave, I don't put the toys back in the toy box, I don't like undoing things. Um, sometimes I'll put some toys back in the toy box and sort of, if, if people make requests, then I'll try and, and fulfill them. But what I, I like, I like growth and I like uh, sustained change and I don't like it I don't like the illusion of change. I think, you know, there's a place for that, I guess, in terms of the rate of the rate of events in the Marvel universe versus, you know, the time that passes in the real world. There's there's room for things sort of staying the same, but I, I feel like there should be sort of a slow growth going on. Like there are things you can't put back in the box. You know, the cage is married now. Like I think putting that you know undoing that would diminish the character but like um, the uh, I mean stuff stuff like um, but yeah one of one of those is like what we did to Dario because you know in my mind that's that's bullseye with a broken neck at the end of the Frank Miller room. It's like you can get him back, but you have to spend a story. Mm. There's no way to do it. There's no way to just do it and have it be... You know, if if, if Bullseye just kind of pops up again and says, I'm fine, you know, it's like... You can do it that way, but it's a bit... It's more exciting if it's like a reveal and there's a kind of there's a thing to it. I can see a version. I can see a new story where the Minotaur is back and you know as big and bad and nasty as he ever was and you know in resurgence. But that's a story, and it's like um, I've kind of got no problem with like because it's like when people when people leave stuff in places and I want them to be in a different place you know I don't I don't mind doing a story to kind of get them there um like bringing back Rick you know Mm -hmm. uh and again there are people who have read issue 33 and there are people who haven't um but like uh yeah bringing back Rick uh from the dead yeah that's I don't know I feel like even sort of I do I do very much see where Jason was coming from because I think killing off a character unless there's someone like Rick who's been around since the 60s that's a big hurdle that's a big one a lot of people ask me when Hero Keller is coming back Hmm. and he's dead and it's like that's a bigger hurdle I could probably show what Scar's up to now I'd like to. It's a matter of having room. I don't know if I have the room. I think people are under the impression I sort of promised it. I said maybe. Um, but Scar is much more likely to come back than Herakala because with Scar, I just need to say where he's been. With Herakala, I need to say how he got back. Mm. So if I had killed the Minotaur, then, yeah, the next person, the person who has to spend that story has to say how he came back to and that's a biggie whereas you know he doesn't he doesn't have green door advantages he's not a mutant you know he's not in that place where you can just bring him back and it's fine um but where we left him 
you know, you can you can go a lot of places from that. And one of them is to have him like Alan Hardy again. Hmm. As a pacing reveal. You know, after a time has passed, and that's fine. Um, you know, I'd expect an explanation. And so would the reader, but it's like but you can take it other places as well. I don't know, I kind of feel like um I feel like I'm sort of sounding like a bit of a dick about this. No, no, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. And again, it, it was, first of all, it was an excellent page turn reveal. I was surprised because I didn't expect that to happen. Um, so, I mean, again, it achieved its means. But you, you, you lay it out right there. Like, it, you're not I mean, like, su- you're not being subtractive. You're just adding yeah. another element. And again, if someone wants to use them, they just have to work around it. And, I mean, they're in a, yeah. the Marvel That's, Universe, you can work around it. It's an element. It's an element that can be reversed. Yeah, it's like the man. The man has money. You can do a lot with money. It's like um, <laughs> very true. Um, but it's like, uh, yeah, basically. Or well, you know, there's there's the madman solution. It's like um, you know, his remaining. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get into. I've got about. I've got about three souls for this, but it starts to like. It starts to get into a thing. But the thing is, Jason. Jason was right, like a hundred percent right to say don't kill him. Um, for like three reasons: a, because I would have; <laughs> um, b, because what we did was worse and more interesting and more visceral and more Hulk, and c. It would have been subtractive. It would have it would have put the character in a place where it was harder for other writers to use him, so other writers wouldn't have used him. And eventually, uh, one of the best villains of the noughties or the tens, it was the tens, I believe. Mm-hmm. One of the best villains of the tens, one of the best new villains, uh, would have been gone. And for what? And it's like so. Yeah, you know, um, Jason was absolutely right, and I'm very glad he he got that promise out of me. Um, and it's like I think you know I think uh, and I'm I'm fairly protective of like my new character the new characters that I've created like in the same way mm-hmm. um, because it's not so much because they're mine it's because they're new and we you know we do so much with the old characters yeah but you know before Again, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a sort of contrary asshole here. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, um, bef- before I let you go, and because we're almost out of time, I have to ask a l- uh, at least a couple questions about uh, the newest Guardians of the Galaxy that you brought back. Oh I, yeah, yeah, no, please. Because I have to say, like, I mean, I I loved what was happening in the DNA run of you know, I guess the late two thousands. That's such an amazing cosmic period. And then ever since then, I've read Guardians, but haven't always loved it or hasn't felt the same. And then I read yours, and it was just so gripping. And it felt like, again, it tapped into the same feeling that I had in the DNA period. Uh, Peter Quill felt more like the Peter Quill that I remembered from that period. Um, even having the Master of the Sun, I, I literally, two days before I read issue one, I finally had read a, an issue, a back issue, all about Star-Lord, learning more about him. And then you have Master of the Sun in there. So I just felt it, it, it was so... Again, mining continuity in a, in a way that made sense, but also channeling it into new ways. But again, it was the most excited I've been about a Guardians book in over ten years. Well, I mean, thank you very much. I know, I know, the previous approach had a lot of fans, and obviously, um, uh, Donny before me did Donny Case before me did an amazing job of kind of taking the team into a darker place um, than they had been, uh, and then. You know, I kind of I took over from him and sort of move, moved it more in in my direction while kind of trying to keep that tone and and keep uh, keep his plots sort of and you know basically just sort of uh, I mean connective connective tissue is a big is a big um, is a big thing with me these days I like a lot of connective tissue I like uh, I like everything to 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 mix up together one of the things that the Dan Abner and Lanning run was a huge influence both in terms of uh, they were like 2000 AD alumni mm-hmm. uh, like me 
so we have a certain way of looking at science fiction um and also i i really wanted space to be a place again like a coherent place with uh politics and seasons and sort of because you have these you have these giant space empires who kind of who are all out there and you know they keep they keep getting like attacked and sort of blown up and you know losing homeworlds and and doing all this stuff and and the thing that the the Amnet and Lanning kind of era um I say I say Amnet and Lanning I know, I know you know Keith Giffen was there a lot of times it was just that Amnet uh, but like um that whole run the whole era was very good about how like if the Inhumans go on a rampage over here that's going to have effects over here you know if like the phalanx are like attacking everybody over here that's going to cause things to happen over here um I wanted to kind of we I mean I say I it was we you know it was like I kind of brought this in and then and then we just decided yeah let's let's do it um I wanted that to kind of happen again and we're it's the right time for it now because there's a lot of um there's a lot of space stuff going on and I'm sort of I'm trying to be the space guy in in the writer's (laughs) I'm trying to be the guy who is like you've got to tell me about your space stuff and I'm not going to block it but I need to know I need to know so I can add it to the mix so I can be like when I'm calculating like which way the Korean Empire is going to jump you know I want to know and obviously uh, with the Kree stuff I'm sort of I try and talk to like Kelly um, and the, the Captain Marvel team and you know with obviously I don't do anything on the Shi'ar side without like consulting Jonathan about it and it's like um But, you know, the scrolls are all mine. But the thing is, we've got this thing where... And I was sort of in, in a position where I was kind of leaning a bit more on, on the career a little bit because I think... Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of plot stuff that I can't get into because it's spoiling a whole bunch of books. But, like, um, we're kind of coming up to a point where space is about to become very, very important again. And Empire is part of that, and uh, the Guardians is part of that. And one of the things I just wrote, and I'm not sure this has been solicited yet, but the Guardians issue in the wake of Empire is set at a diplomatic conference. And that is... And when I say diplomatic conference, you know, not one of the boring ones. There's a murder. Um, but like it's it's we get to have we get to do a murder mystery but in the background of like basically finally nailing down the map of space and we we nail that down we we shove all of the empires up there all of the empires have a seat at the table you know we say who's who we say whose side they're on we have a standoff, a diplomatic standoff over, like, you know, weapons of mass destruction. It's like, and then, you know, we have a murder in the bathroom. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, and, and the, the Dan and the Guardians was a big influence there. And as well as, you know, other science fiction stories like uh, the old Doctor serial, The Curse of Paladin, mm-hmm. which was like, you know, um, during the time of like uh, EU negotiations in the seventies, and Doctor basically doing a story about how, like, you know, um, all these delegates kind of coming to this planet to sort of try and convince it to join the Federation, and then getting murdered one by one. 
and I really want I really wanted to do a story like that with a bunch of like diplomats and ambassadors kind of coming together and getting murdered one by one <laughs> and two of two of the diplomats are Marvel Boy and Nova um, and it's like so yeah this is I mean uh, I'm wondering if I've said too much I probably haven't I think you know getting getting people excited about what's upcoming is, is good for sure and I, I don't think this gives away the end of anything you know Empire is going to be a really exciting time um, and it's going to have it's going to have consequences and Guardians is going to deal with those consequences I'm pretty sure I've said this on a stage I was at C2E2 I'm pretty sure I said all this on stage at C2E2 okay uh, I definitely said the part about Empire having massive space consequences I remember saying that yeah because it's true um, and you know this is like now and now that you know now that Marvel has sort of set a provisional date for the return of Marvel Comics it it might be time to like start getting people excited about you know Guardians and Empire and Hulk and all of these books coming back mm-hmm. um, as long as uh Please also be excited about mail order, curbside pickup, and ways you can get these cool comics yeah. while maintaining social distancing. That's very important. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you there's a, a website, uh, I believe it's 28 pages later. Um, I'll just quickly look that up. I do have to go in a second, but I'll, I'll very quickly look this up because it is important. Um, there is a website um, uh, complete with. Uh, acknowledgements of here we go it's uh, it's 28pageslater.com all one word it's a comics industry collective um, it was put together I think originally uh, Leo Williams um, basically started the ball rolling on it and then uh, other people Victor uh, Ayala uh, came in um, I'm getting the name right there um, lots of people coming in uh, there's a whole list of, of all the people who were like helped this become a thing and what it basically is is a, a sort of directory and resource page for comic shops in your local area that will help you with mail order um, curbside pickup and all the ways that you can get your comics without risking your health and the health of others because you can be asymptomatic and pass the virus on you don't know who you're giving it to um, it's you know it's nasty stuff it can it can kill anybody um, nobody you know so be you know soap and water is the most effective way to get it off your hands um, other, you know, other things good too, antibacterial stuff, but like simple soap of water will destroy the fat layer around the virus. Um, if you just give your hands a really good wash, like all over with soap and water, that, that, that's a massive help. Uh, it lives for 24 hours of cardboard and paper. So these deliveries coming to your door, just leave them for a day in a place. Um, if you can leave your mail for a day in a place, you know, just by the door. That again, huge help. Mm-hmm. The small things like that, but like um, there are ways that you can, because we all want comics to survive this, and there are ways that you can read comics and enjoy comics, and get the new comics when they return. For sure. Um, in safety, in relative safety, and so I'm I'm very big on like uh, supporting supporting comic shops. And, uh, you know, ask your local comic shop how they do with mail order, how they do with the curbside pickup, um, you know, what their, what their COVID-19 preparedness is. I'm pretty sure just about every shop is going to have something going on at this point. Um, so yeah, I guess that's all I've really got to say on that. Okay. Uh, 28, 28 pages later.com is the resource that I use. 
So right before I let you go, I have to, I have to yes. say one last thing. Um, I was reading through Guardians 3, and I just wanted to say how much I loved and enjoyed that uh, the first few pages where everything's from Groot's perspective because it added – I thought it was really interesting to kind of have yes. how he hears everyone else. And that, was, that was a bit of a cheat because, <laughs> like, he doesn't, he doesn't just say I am Groot anymore. So it doesn't 100% line up, but it was – I thought – I don't know. I had the idea, and I just thought – this is going to kind of say all the emotional stuff better than actually saying it. Mm-hmm. Just like having everybody saying the I am so-and-so and just doing it all with like tone of voice and body language. Um, you know, the art on that, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look up who that was. I'm, uh, I'm very frazzled. Um, but I'm going to credit, I'm going to, credit all of the oh well if I look up Guardians of the Galaxy 3 it's gonna um, if you could do me a favor and say you did the art on that well it looks like there's a lot of artists on that one there was uh, Nina Vacueva there we go was that the one um I I I forget it's probably easiest just to look in my inbox hang on uh if I type if I search for Guardians 3 group oh here we go yeah it's Nina Nina Vacueva. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah. They do an amazing job at really selling all the emotional astonishing beats. Astonishing work, astonishing work for them. Um, but there were two other artists on that as well, and I don't want to leave them out. But I'm going to have to because I do have to run. Of course, I'll wait for another thing. But, but thanks, thanks so much for having me up. Absolutely, thanks so much for taking some time, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing all your books once uh, we get uh, new books again. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I look forward to, uh, to plugging them. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks a lot.